Welcome to Believing the Bible with Scott Lane and Terry Reed of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association with a message of hope in today's troubled world based on biblical truths. We hope that today's program is enlightening and inspirational. Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane, president of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. And I'm Terry Reed, a director at SAPSA. We are here to reassure you, you can believe the Bible from the very first verse. Terry, Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This verse makes it clear that God's designs and nature give unmistakable evidence of his being. Yeah. We always like to quote Psalm 139 where the psalmist says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. But another great verse on God's designs in nature is Job 10, 9-12, where the Bible says, Remember that you have made me like clay, and you will return me to the dust. Did you not pour me out like milk and curl me like cheese? You clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and steadfast love, and your care has preserved my spirit. All of these verses attest to God's design and careful crafting of His works, not an evolutionary process. Yes, but evolutionists like to cite examples of unfinished designs in nature, as in the theory of vestigial organs. Vestigial organs are organs that we supposedly have outgrown and no longer need and therefore have fallen out of use and are withering away, like our tail. The idea of disuse and evolution began in the mid-1800s. By the late 19th century and after Darwin published his book, anatomists listed 180 vestigial organs in the human body. Today that list has shrunk to none as we have found God-designed purposes for all of them. You mean they thought back then that you could cut out 180 parts of the human body and you would not miss them? What was on that list? The first on the list was the one you mentioned as an example, our tailbone, or also known as the coccyx. The problem is that we have found that the coccyx is not just a withering tail. This bone at the end of our spinal column is the anchor for our pelvic muscles. A person with a broken or removed coccyx cannot sit down comfortably and has restricted movement. Thus, it is not vestigial or useless. Uh, But what about wisdom teeth? That is the easiest example I have ever seen of something in our bodies no longer need. As a matter of fact, according to the Darwinist, I must be uh, more advanced, evolutionary, evolutionary advanced, because I never did even grow any wisdom teeth. So I must be some kind of superhuman. Well, I always knew you were different. Uh, (laughs) I had mine cut out at the age 18, as so many people do, since they were putting pressure on other teeth with insufficient room in my mouth for them. That certainly looks like a bad design. The answer to that, Terry, is not that it is bad design, but bad diet. Studies have shown that native Africans with diets high and uncooked, highly fibrous vegetables have plenty of rooms in their mouths for wisdom teeth to grow in and seldom need them removed. However, the same black populations taken to Europe and America during slave trade do not have rooms in their mouths and have their wisdom teeth cut out at the same frequency as all other races. 
So it's not that God did not design our mouths big enough or that we have evolved smaller mouths. It is a function of the fact that we have changed to a diet of hamburgers and french fries rather than fresh vegetables, which by the exercise of eating them stretches our mouths. You are listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed. If you would like to learn more, go to sabsa.org. That is S-A-B-B-S-A dot org. We are talking today about the theory of organs which have fallen into disuse we no longer need, which would point to an evolution of organ functions. This idea of vestigial organs is counter to God's perfect designs in nature. I have always heard that both our tonsils and our appendix are no longer needed, and thus they are cut out of people all the time when they become diseased. Terry, it's true that when these organs become diseased, they have been cut out routinely and people can live without them. But often they live not as well. Research has found that the tonsils are the first line of immune defense protecting our gastric tract from invasion. When we cut them out, there are still other defenses, but the overall brilliant design of our immune system is weakened when they are removed. For this reason, most doctors today will not remove tonsils when they become infected, but treat them with antibiotics. Okay, but what about our appendix? The appendix has been shown to be a repository for good bacteria. Most people don't know they have good bacteria, uh, which helps us digest food. When our digestive tract becomes diseased and loses its store of good bacteria, the appendix replenishes the good bacteria to our colon so we can more easily digest food. Without it, we must either eat foods rich in good bacteria like yogurt, or our colon will not process food as efficiently. Indeed, the appendix's position near the junction between the large and small colon is perfectly placed for its function. You know, another misconception in the biology of the human body is Ernst Henkel's recapitulation theory. The idea that a human embryo retraces all of the stages of its evolution going from a fish to amphibian stage, then to a reptile, then mammal stages before becoming a human embryo. Yet Haeckel's ideas, which he promoted with drawings of embryos at different stages of development, seem to show how any embryo retraced its imagined evolution. But his drawings were shown to be frauds and did not even resemble true embryos by the 1880s. This idea of recapitulation theory, or biogenetic law as some called it, has been discredited for more than 130 years. Further, the DNA in the human zygote, that's the first human fertilized cells at the start of conception, shows that it contains human DNA as does the human embryo at every stage of development. The human embryo is always human and nothing else. One of my problems with this whole idea is how posters of Haeckel's discredited drawings will show up in Planned Parenthood clinics. Young women are being told that they can abort babies since they are not really human, but in the fish or reptile stages, or it is just her tissue and not another human being. That is sad and misleading and shows there is an agenda at work rather than research science. I have seen a drawing of our human embryo which has evolutionary named features which promotes this idea. It shows we have gill splits, a yolk sac from our avian ancestry, and a tail from when we were monkeys. <laughs> yeah, those uh, drawings have caused a lot of people to look at the human embryo in a completely false and unrealistic way. Near the developing head of the embryo, we do not see gill slits, 
but folds in the tissue which look like gills only but to someone who wants to see them that way. These folds of tissue do not develop into the lungs as would be true if recapitulation were occurring, but instead develop into our pharyngeal throat pouches, the thyroid gland, the parathyroid, and the middle ear canal. What about the yolk sac? The area called the yolk sac at the bottom of the human embryo is not a food sac as in the case of a bird's egg. It is instead a blood-forming sac which makes and supplies blood cells in the early stages of, of embryonic development. That function will be taken over by bone marrow once the bone organs are fully developed. And what about the unmistakable tail in the embryo drawings? What is called the tail in these drawings does develop into the end of the spinal column, also called the tailbone or coccyx. However, as we discussed earlier, it is not a withering tail, but an anchor for our entire pelvis muscle system. So all of these parts of a human embryo, which have been given names which imply evolutionary traits, are being mistakenly named, and the people who name them are like the people who named the constellations in the night sky. They see patterns and have given them names of patterns they recognize, even though that is not what those stars are at all. Uh, that is really a great analogy of what has happened. Men a hundred years ago wanted to see evolution in our embryos, so they saw what they wanted to see rather than what was there. But there is more evidence in our embryos which show that evolution is not being retraced but that a highly intricate and intelligently designed process occurs as the embryo develops. For example, early in the embryo's development, a primitive kidney organ is developed to screen the blood's impurities. But this intermediate kidney is not sufficient for the full-grown human, so midway through the baby's development, the final and far more complex kidney organs are developed and put to work at which time the temporary kidneys dissolve right on cue and their cells are used elsewhere in the fetus. That's amazing. I don't think most people know that the development of the human embryo is such a highly intricately designed process. No, most people don't. But they have heard of times when this process does not go as designed due to mutations or, and birth defects. One example of that hit close to home here in San Antonio a few decades ago with the baby of former San Antonio Mayor Henry Cisneros. Didn't their baby need several heart surgeries due to a birth defect? That's right, their baby did, but the specifics make it even more clear to the bankruptcy of the recapitulation theory. The human heart during its development in, as an embryo goes through three phases of overall development. It starts as a two-chambered heart, then merges the two chambers into a one-chambered heart for the intermediate period of time before finally dividing into a, a four-chambered heart configuration, which is fully designed for pumping blood both to the lungs and to the rest of our body. This 214 heart chamber design does not match the order which should have been there if the embryo was retracing its supposed evolution. If we retraced our supposed evolution, then we should start with a one-chambered heart, like a multicellular ocean creature, then go to two chambers, then to four. The 214 order reveals a design pattern of the development apart from evolution. The Cisneros baby son was born with a heart which was stuck in the first stage of development with only two heart chambers as well as no spleen. To give him normal heart function, he had to go through several surgeries for doctors to craft a functional four-chambered heart for him.
So this idea that human embryos retrace their supposed evolution has been discredited for more than 100 years, and yet it is shown on posters in Planned Parenthood centers as well as in some textbooks, even though geneticists have not accepted this theory for decades. Why? Sadly, the answer to that, Terry, is that people believe that what they want to believe, and too often regardless of the evidence. The reading of Romans 1.20 rings true. The designs we find in the human body leave the unbeliever without excuse. But unfortunately, many of our cultures simply refuse to accept what is in front of them because they want to live without God. Information for creation events in our area are on our website's calendar page. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to sabsa.org or call 210-599-7240. When you go to our website, you can click on a link to our newsletter. Our website has a link for contact information on which you can order our newsletter to be emailed to you or you can call us. Also go to whyshouldyoubelieve.com. That is Terry's website containing articles looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. SABSA meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. We are now meeting at Faith Lutheran Church just south of the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Thousand Oaks. There you will find biblical apologetics and creation science teaching found nowhere else in Bear County, as well as the availability of books and videos on these important subjects. If you miss any part of this show, you can listen to this show anytime by going to the AM 630 KSLR, the Word in South Texas website. Click on KSLR podcast scroll down until you find believing the bible please join us again next saturday for believing the bible i'm scott lane and for terry reed dr carl williams and ed salzwell thanks for listening and we hope you found today a reason to believe the bible